Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Luke, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. Yeah, you're used to hearing me say 1 John. Um, but, uh, man, one of the things we've been learning from 1 John is, is this, this word energia, or the energy of God. Now, if you look in your English Bible, you're not going to find that. But in the original language, the word energy is used like 34 times in the New Testament, describing the working of God inside of people. Now, I think uh, in the English, we don't translate it because we're worried it's going to get confused with like chakra or chi or uh, vibes or something pagan. But the truth is, um, God's energy is something that I'm learning about and reading about. And I'm excited about God's energy stirring inside of me, um, stirring inside of you. I don't know if you guys were here last Sunday, but God's energy was moving in the service. If you, I hope you felt that on, online, but in, in here, the energy of the Holy Spirit was, was moving, and we had people, we were up here praying for people for like an hour and a half after we ended service, and uh, why? Because God's stirring inside of people. You don't always have words for energy. You don't always have words for what he's doing inside of you, but that's okay. You don't, you don't need words. Trust me, if you feel it, to feel it is far more powerful than to explain it. And we don't live by feelings, right? We live by faith. But if you have a faith that you've never felt, then you really, you just have a set of facts that you believe. And faith is not, doesn't reside up here. Faith resides in here. And so over time, the facts that you believe are true, they must move from just simple facts that you believe are true down to something that you feel that you believe that affects you, that impacts you. That does something inside of you. And so we had people down here uh, uh, weeping, right? And I didn't tell them, I hadn't told them any sad stories. <laughs> Why are they crying? Well, they, they didn't win the lottery, and I didn't tell them any sad stories. So they weren't crying tears of joy. They weren't crying tears of sadness. They were crying because the Holy Spirit was moving on them. It's a response sometimes to the energy of the Holy Spirit. And so we embrace that here at City Chapel. We embrace all that God has for us. If it's in the Word, we believe it's for us. And we're going to put our faith in that. And as I'm reading the, 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 the story, the Easter story, I, I, found, <laughs> I found where God's energy was moving. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to share this with you. I, what I'm going to do in the first service, we had two services today. That was fun. My first one was not recorded uh, online, so I was totally, uh, totally unaccountable. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I could say whatever I wanted. Say whatever I wanted. And the people that were here don't believe them. They're all liars, and they don't. They don't, they don't, they, they need to get saved. They don't, they don't know yet what's going on. No, turn to Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 13. Just kidding. They're nice people. They came, they came to the 830 for crying out loud. They're, they're good. They're good, good folks. They get an extra sticker in heaven. Um, sticker. Stickers last longer in heaven though. Um, Luke, Luke 23. What I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to read through the whole passage, and then I'll come back to it, all right? So, it, so, it, so it's a long one. It's going to be hard, but let's, let's go. Uh, verse 13, now that same day, what day? The day of the resurrection. 
The day when everything changed, the day when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, the day when he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, the day when he was elevated, he's given a name above every other name, that day, the day that that the Father uh, appointed him, said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool, that day, the day that all power in heaven and earth had been given to him, that day, it's an important day. The day we're celebrating today, the day we're rejoicing about today, the day that, that, that split history in half, <laughs> the day that divided before and after, that Romans even started dividing before and after based on this day. It was on that day. This is an important day. This is a big day. This is a massive day. And on that day, two of them, what, the disciples, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, That was about seven miles from Jerusalem. I'll get to that in a minute. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things. Actually, let me switch because I think you guys are looking on the screen at a New King James version. Let me switch in in my Bible. I kind of like the New King James better. As they talked together of these things which had happened. So it was that they conversed and reasoned. That's important. That's a mistake. They're using mental, they're using human reasoning to understand a God-appointed Kairos day. As they converse and reason that day, that Jesus himself drew near. Not Jesus, somebody else, but Jesus himself. This is important because it's that day. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, started walking with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have, one with another as you walk? Look at that. And are sad. See that? Jesus can see that they're sad. And by the way, Jesus knows what kind of conversation they're having. But I like, I, I kind of like God has a sense of humor. Uh, unlike some of you. God has a sense. Of, <laughs> God has a <laughs> happy Easter. God has a sense of humor. And uh, he just asks sometimes stuff he already knows the answer to. But he's asking not because he needs to know the answer, but because you need to know the answer. What kind of conversation? Not what are you talking about? What kind The kind of conversation will determine whether you're happy or sad on this day. Uh, Then the one whose name was Cleopas. By the way, previously these guys had never been mentioned in the Bible. We never heard of Cleopas. Nobody ever heard of Cleopas before in all of biblical literature. But it was on that day that he appears and starts walking alongside Cleopas. So Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things that have happened here in these days? A little sarcasm back at you. And Jesus says, what things? <laughs> oh, man. But it's important that you understand your perspective on these things. It's important that you understand your perspective on this day. It's important that you know why you came to church uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a shed, in a warehouse, or online, or sitting outside under a tarp on this day. It's in, we need to, God needs to know what you say. He knows everything about this day, but what do you say about this day? What things? What are you talking about? What happened? And then they go on to explain their perspective on this day. And so he says, uh, Cleopas uh, says, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet... How many of you know he was a lot more than that? <laughs> Come on, he's a lot more than that. He was mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Look, this is a key verse right here, verse 21. But we were hoping, 
past tense, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all of this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us, not encouraged us, not excited us, but shocked us. Why? What did they say? Did they say horrible things had happened? There's blood all over the walls and a decapitated Jesus? No. When they did not find his body, his body wasn't there. The tomb was empty. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. It's interesting how you, how you see this day determines how you can receive truth even from angels. They're not encouraged. They're shocked. They're astonished. Angels said he was alive. And then they says, certain of those who were with us, we know from another gospel that it was uh, Peter, James, and John went to check out the tomb. And John beat him. And Peter came in afterward. But a certain number of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So Moses, beginning of Moses, beginning in Genesis... He began to expound or explain all of the scriptures that all pointed to him. From Genesis through the major prophets and the minor prophets, basically Genesis to Malachi, the entire Old Testament. I don't know about you, but I would have liked to have been an armadillo on that road. That's Texan for a fly on the wall. But I would have liked to have been an armadillo on that road when Jesus started breaking down. The entire Old Testament. <laughs> Man. And after a seven-mile journey with Jesus, as he's breaking down, it takes about, I don't know, it takes me about four hours to walk seven miles. I don't know how long it took these guys, but it takes me a while. I, uh, we did a walkathon one time at my old church. We walked 10 miles, and it took like six hours or something. It was an all-day-long journey. I was sore afterward. I was hungry and tired and sleepy. And, and seven, seven miles is a while. It's a hike. Um, and uh, at the end of that, it says they drew near to the village where they were going. In other words, they had a house there. And he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is, it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. In other words, we shouldn't be traveling. That's interesting based on what's about to happen. He went in to stay with them. Now, it came to pass, so they, they go in, uh, they, get some, they get some spaghetti on the stove, start boiling some water, break open the prego. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread. Oh, they also had some garlic bread with that. That's the way to do it. Took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Then it says their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. That's an, it doesn't mean he got up and ran. It means he disappeared. <laughs> like he's there and then he's not. Now, this is interesting. This is, this, this is one of two times that Jesus does this after being resurrected. 
right? Because be, since he's resurrected, he's in a resurrected body. Paul says we don't know what that body's like, but we'll, our resurrected body will be like his when we are resurrected. And the, the, the implication is that his body is resurrected is different than your body and my body pre-resurrection. One of the differences seems to be the ability to travel like teleportation style. This is pretty awesome. This is like, you know, I don't, I don't know which stone that is. Is that the time stone? Is that, is, that, is that the time stone where you freeze time and you're able to manipulate time? So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that Marvel is biblical. I'm just saying if, it were, if, if the shoe fits, then maybe, maybe Jesus has got all the stones here, right, right here. Not. Maybe the resurrected body lives in a different dimensional reality than only three dimensions. We know scientifically that there are ten possible dimensions. Uh, the fourth dimension we can see into or we can see shadows of, but we actually can't step into. But the truth is you step in even into four dimensions and travel looks a lot different. I could get into that, but I won't. But the bottom line is Jesus disappears. He vanishes. He's gone. It's crazy to me. This is, this is, this is some cool stuff. This is on that day. As soon as they figure out who he is, he's done. He's done his work. He's done. Then they said, but look at this. Then they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened scriptures to us? Hmm. Did not our heart burn within us? What is that? That's energia. They didn't recall what he said. They didn't recall Genesis through Malachi. They didn't recall the specific teachings. They didn't recall the sermon series. They recalled how they felt about what he said. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? See, on the road to Emmaus, they had a lot of revelation. But after, when they finally saw who Jesus was, they had inspiration. And inspiration plus revelation equals a burning of a fire inside of them that was lit. And look what happens once they got lit. I thought, it's, I thought I'd just, just throw that in there. And look what happens. Once, once he starts a fire inside of them, the very next verse, they got up. They rose up, people that were tired from a seven-mile seven journey, people that were discouraged from a brutal disappointment and a loss of hope. They got up, and what did they do? They, at that very hour, the hour that they had said it was too late to travel, they had said, it's, we've traveled enough. It's getting late. It's getting, they, they burned off the carbs from the, from, from the dinner making a seven mile they got up and went back to Jerusalem energia they had something inside of them that caused them to do what they did not think they could do before something burned that's what the fire of God will do inside of you it will fire you up to do more than you thought you could do go further than you thought that you could go I think it was Stephen Furtick who preached a sermon series on this called The Seven Mile Miracle. And I would like to, if I'm sure Furtick's watching my sermons, but uh, 
This is actually a 14-mile miracle. It's not a seven-mile miracle. It was seven miles of revelation. But the other seven miles was the result of the revelation, was the activation of the revelation that stirred them up to do more than they could do before. I don't know about you, but I don't just want an Easter that's full of revelation about what did happen. I want an Easter that's full of inspiration about what can happen tonight, tomorrow, what, where I can go from here, that something can light a fire inside of you and inside of me that makes my tomorrow look different not my 2,000 years ago I know he rose from the dead I get the revelation but I need a fire inside of me <laughs> I need a fire inside of me so just just let's just, just let's just do a little something crazy should we should we do something crazy it's Easter Sunday I'm wearing a jacket let's do something crazy let's let's I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a page from, 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 from Pastor Wright, my pastor. He used to do this at his church, and, and he did it recently. When he, when he, I, I heard him teaching on this passage, and so this is the only thing I'm going to steal from him, and I'm, I'm giving him full credit. But this, is, this actually isn't his credit, actually. He used to be a football coach, and so his goal was to get people fired up in the locker room. All right, so so what you what, what you have to you can't what, you have to stand up. So you have to literally stand up. So let's go ahead and stand up. Stand up where you're at. Let's go now. But when you're standing, you can't just stand regular. All right, you you got to spread your legs a little bit. Get your legs level with your shoulders because it's it's an action stance. It's called a it's a stance. All right, and then you take your your hands. You make a make make a fist. You like like grip it. Because it's, it's, it's creating energy. It's stirring up energy inside of you, all right? So, so you're in the locker room. Get ready for a game. Get, some, some of you guys don't have your fists. You, do, you, have, you, have, you, have, you, have, you have, all right, you got some fists back there. I see you. I see you. All right. So, so what you do is you make the fist. You, you stir yourself up. Then I say, let's get. And then you're going to say, fired up. There you go. And Jonathan, Jonathan's been there. He knows what's going on. Okay. And so this is, this is, this is just something that, 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 that you do. All right. So, so let's get, whoa, holy. all right. Well, I thought we'd have to do that multiple times just to get to that level. So let's just, let's, let's do it one more time for everybody watching online. Cause they probably are just now getting off the couch. They're just like, I don't know. I'm gonna, 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 Got my cascarones. I got to move these out of the way. I need to come in. So, all right. So, you can. So, all right. Now you're on your feet at home. All right. And everybody here, you got your fist. You're ready to go. All right. And then I say, let's get fired up. Nice. All right. Yeah. Let's get fired up. You, you, you may be seated. You may be seated. We need the fire of God. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit that stirs us up to do something that we wouldn't have done before, didn't think we could do before, that we were too discouraged to do before. We need the fire of God. The fire of God stirs inside of you, and it does affect your emotion. Fire creates heat. You feel heat. So if you have a fire of God that you don't feel anything, you don't have the fire of God yet. You may have the, the revelation, but you need the inspiration. So the inspiration, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the fire that's lit inside of us. Let's go back, shall we? Let's, 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 let's go on a journey. Let's go back to verse 13. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I want you to understand how, how relatable these guys are. This is an interesting uh, text because in verse 13 it says that it was on that day, on the day of, of the resurrection, that two of them, two of the disciples were traveling um, from, uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus, it's interesting, here in the text, it says that the Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. 
if you read the Bible very often, especially the New Testament, you may notice that the Bible talks a lot about um, people traveling places, right? It's always saying Jesus went from here to Samaria, and then he went to Judea, and, and then one time when he was in Bethany, and, and then he went to Jerusalem. But very rarely does the Bible ever say how far the journey is, because it's written to people who lived in that time. So it's like me telling you, oh, we went from Austin to Kyle. I don't need to tell you how far it is from Austin to Kyle. You know how far it is from Austin to Kyle. So most of the geography of the New Testament was understood by people who were reading the New Testament. Now, for us uh, preachers and and people wanting to study the Bible, we do have to dig into it a little bit to, to figure all of that stuff out. One guy, actually, he spent time and he went through all the Gospels. Every time Jesus took a step or went somewhere, we know that he walked. Every time he went somewhere, uh, he, he calculated the miles and he added up how many miles Jesus physically walked in his three-year journey. It was it was crazy. It was like a thousand miles or something. I mean, it was it was it was really something. Then he calculated the amount of steps that is and just did all this kind of interesting stuff. It's pretty fascinating. But what's interesting to me about this passage is this passage tells us it's seven miles. Now, why would the writer tell the reader that it's seven miles? Usually he doesn't say anything about that. Well, I believe it's because the, the city of Emmaus was so minuscule, was so tiny, was so unknown. It's kind of like some of you guys in some of the towns in Texas, right? You don't pronounce them right. They're they're spelled weird, and you like like yeah, Manshack. <laughs> right? Try try putting that in your GPS. That doesn't work. Minchakaka. <laughs> Turn left at Minchakaka. I'm like, I'm turning on to Minchakaka. But if you tell some if you tell somebody in Michigan that you're from Manshack. Where's that? You, you're not even going to tell them. You're going to tell them you're from Austin. You're just going to say Austin because, one, Austin's a lot cooler than Manshag. Uh, number two, everybody knows where Austin is. They don't know where Manshag is. Well, that's, that's like Emmaus. Actually, if you, go, if you go on a tour of the Holy Land, they don't exactly know where the original Emmaus is because every Christian wants to walk the Emmaus Road, right? Like, I want to go to Emmaus. And walk the We're like, yeah, we think this is maybe it. But it was so insignificant that it wasn't even on ancient maps. They didn't think it was important. And so the writer, he even has to explain, Luke has to explain, by the way, Emmaus, a town you might not have heard of, it's seven miles out of Jerusalem. Now, that's just interesting to me because, well, it tells me a little bit about who God is. That God is the kind of God that on that day, on the greatest day in history, on the pivotal day of all creation was leading up to that day. And everything since then has been birthed from that day. That day was so important. And yet on that day, where did Jesus go? To the temple? If I were him, I would have snuck up on the, on the Roman soldier that, that had crucified me, you know, and just said, boo, how's it going, man? You know, if you want to freak some people out, just walk into the temple. How cool, would it, how cool would it have been if the new temple would have walked into the old temple? You know, the temple that was torn down and rebuilt in three days. If that temple would have walked into the old temple, maybe the old temple would have just disintegrated and blown up. I don't know what would have happened. But it would have been awesome for him to walk up to some of those Sanhedrin and people that were shouting, crucify him, just four days ago and step in and say I'm back like like that's the kind of like like if you want to get the word out 
If you want, he only has 40 days, by the way, before he's going to ascend to heaven and be there permanently. He got 40 days to get the word out. And what does he do on his first day? <laughs> he goes for a walk. To Rome? At least if you're walking. Why would you walk? You can teleport. Even like, why would you walk even, like, if you could drive? You have 40 days to get the word out. At least get in a Dodge Viper or something and get down the road. Like, you're walking? Get on a bicycle, scooter, something. No, he's not transporting. He's walking. This is crazy to me. The God of the universe in a resurrected body can instantly move from, from, from Jerusalem to Bangkok in an instant. And he goes for a walk down a little dusty road to a town that now we don't even know where it is because it was so insignificant in its day. <laughs> Maybe it is that God is not so concerned about the highlights. Maybe this is how God gets his word out. Maybe God gets the word out of his resurrection, not from cathedrals and not from temples and not from uh, Emmys and not from uh, politics and not from presidents. Maybe he's not waiting on a president to say a national day of prayer prayer. Maybe he's not interested in having a big banquet for a bunch of rich people to come. Maybe he doesn't need an athlete to endorse him to say his name after they win the Super Bowl. Maybe none of those things matter to him because when he had his shot, when he had his chance, he took a back road to some little town that nobody was there. But now he needs PR. <laughs> but now he needs Instagram and Facebook and he needs a campaign and we need to put money in and we need to get him on New York in downtown New York, get his name over all the billboard. I mean, fine, that's lovely and wonderful. He doesn't need it. He doesn't, maybe you need it. Maybe, 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 it helps, maybe it helps you pay the bills, but he doesn't need it. He doesn't need your accolade. He doesn't need, he doesn't need your, the chain around your chest with his little cross on it. He doesn't need your bumper sticker. He doesn't need you getting on. No, because like, when he had his chance to get the word out, he went for a walk down a dusty road. Maybe that's because that's where God lives. God lives on dusty roads. God lives on, in transitions. God lives on the, on the path, on the way. God lives in between here and there. God lives somewhere. So the power of God resides somewhere between where you thought you were supposed to be and where you're wanting to go. Maybe the power of God resides in the journey, in the path, not so much in the destination. And, and he's walking with them. Especially if the destination is as cold as it is in here. Can we maybe kick like, is it, is it, was it kind of cold? My, my toes, my, my toes are a little cold. I know it's bad on my toe. I got a jacket on, but my toes, I can feel it in my toes. Maybe like turn some heat on or something. Because we got the back door open. It's cold outside. Amen. Amen. All right. Preach it. Preach it. For those watching online, just bear with us. We're trying to, trying to figure it out. But Jesus is walking, but they don't see him. I mean, they see him, but they don't see him. It's the, not because they couldn't, but because they were kept from seeing him. I wonder what's keeping you from recognizing him. 
I wonder what's keeping you. We say, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm, I, I can't see God in it. I'm trying to see God in it. What's keeping you from seeing it? See, the, what's interesting about these disciples is they're, they're walking and they're conversing and they're using human reasoning. I can tell they're using human reasoning because the stuff they're talking about ought to make them shout, ought to make them glad, ought to make them encouraged, ought to, ought to fire them up. But instead, it makes them sad. And Jesus comes alongside them and in verse uh, 17. He says, what kind of conversation is this? That you have one with another and you walk and are sad. And he begins to tell them. He opens up his heart to him. And from, from his mind, in verse 19, uh, he says, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet who was mighty indeed before God and all the people, how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified, but we were hoping. In other words, they're sad and they lost hope. And watch this. They had quit. They were going to Emmaus, away from Jerusalem. You know, all the other disciples, the faithful, were huddled in Jerusalem. They were scared, but they were faithful. Come on, somebody. You can be scared, but faithful at the same time. You can be scared, but faithful. The faithful were huddled in an upper room, praying, wondering, not sure what's happening, what's, what's going on. The women that went to the tomb that day had come from the faithful. And they had, they had gone to do a good thing, to, 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 to anoint the body of Jesus, right? They had gone to do a good thing. That's a good thing to anoint the body of Jesus. That's, that's showing respect for him, showing respect for his family, showing love for, for his family. They, they went to do a good thing, but, 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 but they were still thinking like humans. They were still operating. You can do good things. You can come to church for, on Easter, for instance. You can do good things from a human motivation, it's good for the family. It's good for our relationship. It's nice. It's tradition. It's you can do good things from a wrong motivation. And if you do it from the wrong motivation, what happens is the good thing that you're doing doesn't help you. Because the women, they show up to do a good thing for Jesus. They encounter really great news. <laughs> really great revelation, but there's no inspiration on the inside because they're doing a good thing from human reasoning. And so they step in to do a good thing from human reasoning, and, and instead of becoming encouraged and excited, they become discouraged and sad. And the angels meet with them, and they say, Why are you sad? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. If you don't think God won't tell you, I told you so. He will. You just stick around a little while. Just walk with him for a little while. This is the problem because they were doing a good thing, but they had neglected what Jesus had said. Welcome to church. Welcome to man-made religion where we do good things and forget about what Jesus said. Where we just constantly try to be our best and be the best that we can be. And we neglect the very words of the one that we claim to be honoring and loving on. We're going to go anoint his body. And we're going to do this. And we're going to have this service. And we're going to go serve those people. And we're going to go do these good things. But forget what he said. 
What's interesting is Luke tells us that in that, in, that, in that group of women, there was a woman named Mary Magdalene, one of the few women he mentions by name. He says there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and a few other folks. Mary Magdalene is a woman that Jesus had cast out seven demons from, and she had become a close follower of Jesus. And earlier in the gospel, uh, six, no, five, seven days earlier, because it, it tells us that it was six days before the Passover. Jesus was in Bethany, and he was sitting there with his friend Lazarus, and they were enjoying dinner. And a Mary, who, who other gospels tell us, tell us was a sinful woman, and most of the early church fathers believed was Mary Magdalene, came and washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, broke her alabaster box of perfume, and poured it on him. You guys remember that, that passage? Interestingly enough, church history says that that was Mary Magdalene. Who, who loves him so much, who's pouring out her praise. And one of the disciples, though, says, man, we should have sold that perfume. We could have made money and given it to the poor. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She is anointing my body for burial. This is what man-made religion will do. Man-made religion, even though you already anointed Jesus, <laughs> it will say you didn't anoint him good enough. One of the women at the tomb to anoint his body for burial was a lady who six, seven days earlier had already anointed his body for burial, according to the word of Jesus. And what man-made religion will do is, you haven't anointed him enough. You are not anointed enough. You are not spiritual enough. You are not holy enough. You are not forgiven. I know you were already forgiven for that sin, but you probably need to repent again. You probably need to tell God you're sorry again. You probably need to feel bad again. I'm telling you, man, we don't need to feel feel bad any like christians feel bad all on their own they make themselves feel bad enough it's not time for you to beat yourself up any further it's time to let's get yeah you don't need to feel bad you need to get motivated you need to get fired up it's not about, oh, let's just cry a little longer. Let's feel bad. Let's weep a little more. Let's spend a little more time thinking about how bad we were. No, man, that's what man-made religion does. It causes you to re-anoint the same one you already anointed six days ago. And the angel says, look, he's risen. As you said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are, in the middle of dead religion are you looking for a living God? Why in the middle of dead practices and dead uh, uh, traditions and, and dead family things that you always do just because you are? Why are you looking for something that would bring life among things that are all dead? Why are you looking for love in living love in that relationship? Why are you looking for acceptance in that situation? Why are you looking for joy in that pill? Why are you looking for the living, what only God can bring, what only God can breathe among the dead? Well, I'll tell you why. Because you don't believe what Jesus said. Because at the end of the day, the ladies, while they were doing good things, were doing things according to fact, not things according to faith. And faith causes you to think differently about things. And they're not the only ones, by the way. These guys are also merely focused on the facts. And that fact has robbed them of their joy. Those facts have robbed them of their peace. And they are discouraged. They are sad. They are disappointed. They are without hope. And they are quitting. They're going back home. These guys are quitters. We got any quitters around here? Any, any, anybody ever walked away from anything? I'll say, yeah, quitting, quitting's becoming the new black. 
I'll just, it's, it's, uh, it's in vogue. Quit relationships, quit marriages, quit churches, quit politics, quit social media, quit anything that doesn't make you feel the way you want it to feel. Just quit. Just walk away. Just, just be done with it. It's so interesting. Quitting is so popular now. It's so, it's so common. And these guys are quitters. These guys, the rest of the disciples, they're huddling up. They might get arrested. They don't know. But they're, they're the faithful. They don't even understand what's happening. But not these guys. These guys are like, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going back to Emmaus. That little town where nobody knows my name. Everybody knows my name. I'm, I'm going back there. I'm, 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 I'm going back to all the family that I left. I'm going back to the job. Maybe I can still get my job back. They're going back. They're quitting. They're turning around. They were there for three days, though. So you got to give them that credit. They stuck it out for a while. But when things got weird... Mary started acting like she had demons again, saying the angels were appearing to her and all this nonsense. When things got weird, they got out. They're like, we're done. We're, we're, we're done with this. this is, it was fine when Jesus was there, but now that Pete's in charge, like, it's just weird. We're, like, we're done with this. We didn't sign up for that. We didn't sign up for that. And they're, they're gone. And they are, they, are, they are discouraged. They have their back to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is where Jesus had said that the Spirit was going to fall. Jerusalem, when you turn your back on Jerusalem, even as a Jew, when you turn your back on Jerusalem, there's something significant to it. The Jerusalem's on a hill because any way that you leave Jerusalem, you're going down. That's intentional. That's what the Jewish scribes say. Any path away from Jerusalem is downhill. And they're headed downhill backsliding. <laughs> they're, going, they're literally retracing the steps that they had taken when they decided to follow Jesus. At one point, they packed up from this road. They walked up this dirt, dusty road and started following him. Now they're walking back. And they're discouraged and they've quit. And what I love about this passage, though, is that Jesus walks with quitters. <laughs> Jesus walks with quitters. Jesus is on a path of quitters, Jesus turns his back on Jerusalem. Isn't it crazy that God, who is going to send his spirit in just 40 days, well, 50 days, 40 days from here and then 10 days after that, in just, in just little over a month, God's going to send his spirit in power and he's going to anoint and he's going to, he commanded, you know, first in Jerusalem, this is an important city. He's going to turn his back on Jerusalem to walk down a small dusty road to a town that nobody knows about because somewhere along the way, along the journey, there's somebody there who's discouraged, who's quit, who's broken and he's just going to see if maybe they will engage him in conversation. What kind of God is this? What kind of God is this that would walk away, that would turn his back and start walking in the same direction as the quitters? That would walk along. He's not walking again. He didn't set up a shop on the road. Hey, if you want to stop quitting, stop by here. <laughs> if you're ready to turn around, come here. He walked with them. This is the kind of God that when, I'm, when, that, when I'm, that when I'm doing good, he's with me, and that's wonderful. But when I'm not doing good, he doesn't leave me at that point. He's still with me. When I'm backsliding, he's sliding with me. Can you imagine a God that slides with people who go back? 
This is not a God of every man for himself. This is not a God of pick yourself up by your bootstraps. This is not a God of you, you do you and you figure out you. This is not a God of your social agenda who just divides people and leaves them on islands in hopes that they can figure it out. This is a God who walks with people. And he's got places to go. He's got people to see. He's got a word to get out. But he spends his whole first day on a walk with some quitters. <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm, I, I'm thankful that he hangs out with quitters. Because that's been me every Monday. Just kidding, just kidding. Some Mondays, some Mondays. Come on, me and Ro decided we weren't, we weren't, we weren't going to quit unless we both wanted to quit on the same day. That hasn't happened yet. Because we, everybody wants to quit at some point. Because it gets hard, it gets discouraging. When it doesn't work out the way you thought it would work out, when it doesn't seem like anything's working, everything you try doesn't work. These guys are so tired. These guys are so wore out. And you see it. It affects you physically. It tires you physically. They, they went seven miles and they said, well, we're home. You probably are tired too. You probably shouldn't be walking. We're done. We're turning in for the night. But it's amazing how the, uh, uh, how the energy of the Holy Spirit also affects you physically. Because the, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And they got up and they ran back to Jerusalem. It affects you physically. It affects you emotionally. It affects, it affects your emotional health, your physical health. Some of us are physically sick because we're emotionally sick. And we're emotionally sick because we're spiritually sick, because we're disappointed, because we're broken, because we've quit, because we've walked away from, from some stuff that we should have stuck with. And we stopped believing in some stuff that we should have kept with. We let go of some stuff we should have held on to. And Jesus is walking along with us. And he says, so what is it you're thinking about? He sneaks into our, our Honda Civics with the kids in the back and says, what is it you're thinking about? He sneaks, he sneaks into our Ford Focuses. There we go. That's just more my, more my speed. And says, what is it you're thinking about? Not, not there to critique, not there to correct, there to listen. And he says, what are you thinking about? What are you talking about? What, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What are you concerned about? And as they begin to open up, that's where he said, okay, slow of, oh, you of, slow to believe. Slow to believe what the prophets, not even what Mary, not even what Peter had told you, but what the prophets had told you. And he goes back to the Old Testament. And he opens up, starting in Genesis, all of who he is. Because that's really what you need to know. You don't need to know his plan for your life. <laughs> I just want to know what God wants me to deal with my purpose is. I just, I just want to know what my purpose. It's lovely. His purpose is great. Don't we all want to know that? Wouldn't it be great if we got an email and he just told us all exactly what we're going to do from here until we die? I mean, yeah, that's great. But you know what's better than purpose is a person. What's better than you knowing your purpose is you knowing the person of Jesus. Because when you know the person of Jesus, you know everything. 
Because he started opening up the Old Testament, started revealing who he was. And that's a, man, that's a long trip from Genesis to Malachi. That's a seven-mile journey. He opens up, he opens up the scriptures and starts revealing who he is. And he talks about, well, he talks, I'm sure he talked about Moses, right? Which he'd already said in the Gospels, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right? See, the serpent was not just about the serpent. The serpent was about the servant who would come. And that, that, for those of you that aren't aware, that story was a story where God was judging his people because of their sin. And Moses cried out and said, God, have mercy on them. And he said, okay, I want to have mercy on them, but I need them to participate in the repentance. They can't do anything to save themselves from the effects of their sin, but they can participate in the repentance from their sin. So what happened was the effects of their sin was vipers had crept into the, the camp and were biting people. The venom was stinging people and killing people. And so they needed to be freed from snakes. God, save us from these snakes. And so, and so God told Moses, I want you to find a bunch of gold, melt it down, craft it into the shape of a, a snake that you have caught on a stick. You know, in Texas, you chop the head off a snake and you get a stick and you hold it up, right? No? Okay. Maybe it's just me. So it's pretty exciting for me because that's, that's your snake that you just killed without its head. It's like, yeah, and it's dripping blood and everything. It's great. And the kids love it. Anyway, this is what I do. And so you get a snake. When you've, when you've killed a snake, you hold it up with a stick to show everybody what you just did. This is what guys do. Anyway, so you, you hold it up. And, 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 and so God said, okay, Moses, I want you to do that. I want you to make a golden snake like one you just killed, and then you hold up. And that's what Jesus said, like Moses held up a, a, a pretend dead snake in the wilderness that was actually gold. Gold means it didn't actually have any venom in it. Even so, Jesus Christ must be born as a man, but not have the venom of sin in him. And then he must die and be held up. And everybody that has been bitten by the venom of sin can look to him who had no sin and receive from him the power for the healing of my sin. This is the hope of the gospel. I'm pretty sure Jesus unpacked that one for them. Don't you know it's not about your good works? Don't you know it's not about your ability to perform or to do things? It's about your ability to participate in your repentance by changing what you're looking at. Instead of focusing on your situation and on your sin, you focus on your Savior and you receive from Him the power to rise above what has been stinging you all of your life. He walks through that. I, 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 there's like so much, my goodness. I mean, uh, you know, you could, you could start in Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And we understand that light was the life of men. And that light, be, and that light became flesh and dwelled among us, John says in his gospel. That light was shining. And so right from the very back, right on through, Jesus also talked about Jonah. That Jonah was a type and a shadow of him. He said, he said, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. Which is kind of weird because Jonah was a prophet who did not believe in the mercy of God. It's a kind of weird picture because we think of Jesus as merciful and kind and, you know, soft-spoken. But Jonah was not. Jonah said, man, we need to just kill all the bad guys. Jonah was a marine kind of prophet. And he was... <laughs> He was, he was not a Coast Guard. He was a Marine. 
Uh, he was the kind of, let's just, just get them, let's get them all. Well, well, God had a message of mercy and forgiveness and grace to Nineveh, the most evil city at that time. And God sent Jonah to Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go. And so Jonah gets on another boat going a completely different way, as far away as he can get from Nineveh. And maybe that's where the story starts to become applicable to Christ, because Christ starts off as far away from sin as you can get. And he, Jonah is cast from the boat, and if you know the story, he was swallowed by a, a whale or a big fish, the Bible says. Uh, if you're like me, at, in children's church, we had flannel graphs, right? And you have this giant whale little in the little Jonah, and he's hanging out inside the whale. You might have seen that. Um, kind of like Geppetto, the old Pin Disney Pinocchio movie. He's sitting inside the belly of the whale fishing, you know? That's not at all how it happened, because one, there are no fish that big. Right? I mean, right? <laughs> Come on. Come on, people. Have you ever, do, do you really think somebody could survive three days inside of the belly of a fish? doesn't work that way. That was created by people. Scripture doesn't say he survived for three days. doesn't say he lived for three days. In fact, if you go home and read Jonah chapter 2, it says that he descended, Jonah says of himself, I descended into Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew word for death. He says, he says, seaweed was wrapped around my neck and the bars of the earth closed behind me. In other words, I died. Like that's just a poetic way of saying I was done. My heart rate stopped. It was flatlined. I was never returning to earth again. I died. I, I was gone. He said, I mean, because you would die if you're swallowed by a, a, a fish and you're underwater for three days. You can't hold your breath that long. Come on. It doesn't work that way. He was dead, which is why three days later, he's spit up by the same fish and he is alive. Or according to Jonah chapter 2, the Lord brought me back to life. Which is why Jesus said, that's actually symbolic of me, because that's the first resurrection. And he was under for three days. I'm going under the earth for three days, and I'm going to come out alive again. And what was cool is that when Jonah came back alive, when he was resurrected, he was placed at a spot which was on the shores of Nineveh. He was placed in a place where he was then ready to declare hope to the hopeless, beauty for ashes, the mercy of God to the sinfulness of man, the greatness of forgiveness to a lost and dying generation. He was ready for that. And Jesus said, yeah, just like Jonah was awakened and brought back to life and immediately placed in a place where he was ready to declare the freedom uh, of God to the captives of sin, even so, the Son of Man is going to be resurrected and he's going to start walking alongside a couple of quitters who have walked away from him and in his he's in the first thing he's going to do is he's going to resurrect hope inside of them stir up fire inside of them and activate them in such a way that they are going to live out the message not just learn the message <laughs> by the way that that story is not just about jonah the story is also about us Because that's what's, that's what's great about the Bible. It's not just about the guy it's about. It's also about Jesus. But it's also not just about Jesus. 
Because Paul said, in Jesus' death, I have found my own death. I have been crucified with Christ. And if I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I've been resurrected with Christ. So in Christ's resurrection, I have found my own resurrection. In his newness of life, I've found my own newness of life. And that's why, man, that's, that's why we're having baptism on Wednesday night. Because Jonah went under the water for three days and he came back up a different person. Old Jonah died in the water. New Jonah was raised to life. Old Jonah was running. New Jonah was <laughs> waiting. Old Jonah was judgmental. New Jonah was speaking of the mercy and the grace of God to the sinfulness of man. There was a difference that happened. It wasn't just that he was swallowed and came back. He's a different guy washed up on that beach than had jumped into that water. And this is what God does. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives mourning. He gives dancing for mourning. He, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A fire for a, cold, a coldness. He fires you up. Would you just pray with me for just a minute? We're getting ready to be dismissed, whether you're watching online or in person. I feel like God, once again, his energy is moving inside of people. And he's beckoning. He's sneaking up on you. He's walking alongside you and sneaking up on you and offering you. Offering you a fire that will get inside of your spirit, not just an emotion. <laughs> but a fire that will cause you to get up and get going and do things you've never done before and go to people you've never gone to before and say things to people you've never said before and have boldness you've never had before and have confidence you've never had before and have security you've never had before and have purpose that you've never had before and have a relationship with God that you've never had before. If God's calling you to that, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I feel God pulling on my heart, drawing me closer. He's sneaking up beside me. Maybe not even just today, but it's over the past several days, over the past week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Father, you are moving. You are drawing. You are stirring. And so we respond to you right now, Lord. We say yes to you. We say yes to you. We walk alongside you, and we, we put faith in your ability to change us, to save us, to fire us up. It's not us that fire ourselves up. <laughs> it is your spirit that fires us up. We thank you for that, Lord. We, we ask for you to energize us with your spirit. Energize us with your, the breath of God, which is the spirit of God. Energize us with your spirit, Lord. Stir us up to follow after you. Some people, they're going to need to be energized just to be baptized this Wednesday. You're laying it on their heart, but they're like, I don't know. There's other people watching, and I don't know if I'm ready, and I don't know if I can maintain it, and I don't know. No, 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 no. All those questions, the only question, the only answer is yes. If God is stirring you to do it, say yes. If you don't know what the next step is, say yes. These guys didn't know what the next step was. They, they ran into Jerusalem to tell people. They didn't know what they're going to do next. It doesn't matter. What's next doesn't matter. What, what is now, this is what the Holy Spirit is concerned about. Obedience now. Stepping out now. Speaking out, maybe, now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we say yes to you. We say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we do have, I think, a potluck going on outside. Folks are organizing that. Feel free to hang out. Feel free to hang out as long as you want. Many of us have family gatherings. But uh, uh, I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Uh, if you're interested in that, once again, send a text message to 512-960-1617, and uh, we, will, we will connect you with, with everything that's going on here. Is anybody glad they came to church on Easter Sunday? Nice. Let's get. Nice. I like it. Nice. Poppy's fired up. We love you.